Stay with us following this week's Crosswalk for information on Pastor Clay's new book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. Growing in God's Word and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. Husbands, love your wives in the same way that Christ loved the church. Marriage. Everybody knows that a husband and wife have to work together to make their marriage work. But just exactly what are they expected to do? Another exception, but as a general rule, we men seem to think somehow that if we said I love you during our wedding vows, that that ought to cover it. But it doesn't. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. Today we come to the end of our series on marriage entitled, Till Death Do Us Part. So far, Pastor Clay has walked us through the reasons for marriage, the reality of marriage, the romance of marriage, and last week's topic, the responsibilities of marriage. Taking a closer look at Ephesians chapter 5, Pastor Clay showed us the wife's responsibilities in marriage. Today, he's going to take us through the husband's responsibilities in marriage. A husband's love for his wife is modeled on Christ. There's our model, guys. Man, (laughs) that guy never got it wrong. That's right. (laughs) That's right. As you'll hear today, God's expectations for husbands is pretty high. All the more reasons why husbands need to know what God's Word says on the subject. We're so glad you've joined us today. Now here's Pastor Glenn. We're talking about the responsibilities of marriage, right? Right, yeah. Now listen, if you're, not, if you're here and you're not married, you can still be enthusiastic about it um, because maybe someday you'll, you want to be bar- married or perhaps you're very happily unmarried and, uh, and you're like, yeah, yeah, them. <laughs> but we're talking about the responsibilities of marriage. And today we're talking about the responsibilities of the husband in marriage. All wives that are, in, a lot of our wives, like I said, there's some sicknesses uh, today. A lot of, the, of our ministers over in uh, cross-culture kids are sick, so some probably people had to go over there emergency thing. But all wives uh, clapped just then and uh, didn't see many claps from the husband. But husbands should clap because they should want to know. And, and what, I, what we talk about today isn't not revealing anything new. If you know the Word of God, if you've looked at this passage before, uh, it's, it's pretty clear. Uh, what it has to say. But uh, I wanted to just kind of start with kind of a funny, well, to me, it's kind of a funny thing. Um, whether it is to you or not remains to be seen. Actually, I, I think I did this song um, a few years ago in, um, in, in another marriage series. It's been a few years since I did a marriage series, uh, but I think I did this song uh, then. So some of you, uh, it was probably such a moving experience for you, you probably will, will remember this instantly as, um, as, as I start singing. Uh, but this, this song is it's very powerful, very, you know, just emotionally. Many of you will be moved to tears by this song. Um, but listen, guys, are you listening to me? Guys, are you listening to me? There is some very practical advice in this song. All right? Now, I am not only a, a pastor, right? I, I not only have... My bachelor's degree, my master's degree, like Master John over there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm building it up, man. Leave me alone. <laughs> it's not only, not only do I have a doctoral degree, but I have been married 36 years. 36, right? Going on 37. 
<laughs> so I've, I've learned a few things along the way, right? Learned a few things along the way. And uh, so this is just advice to guys, all right? Uh, our wives want us to talk to them. We'll talk, we may say some things about that today. Our wives want us to talk to them. But sometimes there's some things we shouldn't say to our wife, right? Am I mic'd? Okay, and I got to slow this down. I was in rehearsal. I was singing too fast. My wife said, I can't understand your words. You don't really want to understand these Okay, these, all right, y'all ready? I got to get, get going here. These, these are things, it's just, just an emotionally powerful song I want you to hear as we get started. These are things that you don't say to your wife, okay? Guys, you listening? Hey, honey, have you gained some weight in, weight in your re- Wait, that was terrible. Hey, honey, have you gained some weight in your rear end? That dress you're wearing reminds me of an old girlfriend. And where'd you get those shoes? I think they're pretty lame. Would you stop talking? I'm just trying to watch the game. If you're a man who wants to live a long and happy life, these are the things you don't say to your wife. Right? You listening? Verse 2, here we go. I planned a hunting trip next week on your birthday. I didn't ask you, but I knew it'd be okay. Go make some dinner while I watch this fishing show. I taped it over our old wedding video. If you're a man who wants to live a long and happy life these are the things you don't say to your wife solo last verse guys you listen your cooking is okay but not like mama makes the diamond in the ring I bought you is a fake your eyes look puffy dear are you feeling ill happy anniversary I bought you a treadmill if you're a man who wants to live a long and happy life these are the things you don't say to your wife I said if you're a man that doesn't want to get killed with a knife these are the things you don't say to your wife (laughs) <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. So, so guys, I hope you took note of that, took, took notes down. Don't say certain phrases, don't say things like that. But what you do have to say, well, let's read it. Ephesians chapter 5, uh, beginning this morning in verse 25. Text is up on the screen, by the way. Uh, if you have an electronic copy, a hard copy, open a copy of God's Word to Ephesians chapter 5. Let's look at... Uh, the responsibilities of a husband in marriage. Y'all ready? Husbands, uh, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, 
but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. Because we are members of his body, and for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. I, I, want, to, uh, I want to give you this morning um, a BP Square. I do that from time to time. I want to give you a, a big picture biblical principle. That's what BP Square stands for, a big picture biblical principle. Every once in a while I do that. And uh, I've got one for you today, and let me just say to you that, uh, that it, it, it's not rocket science. You don't have to have a seminary degree to understand that. God, God didn't stutter. God didn't speak in code. He speaks very clearly when he says this, and so it just seemed natural to make that the big overarching big picture biblical principle for today, which is simply this. Husbands, love your wives in the same way that Christ loved the church. By the way, there, are, there is an outline on the back of your information sheet. If you like to fill in blanks and follow along that way, please feel free to do so. If you don't, if you're, that's not your deal, that's okay too. But husbands, love your wives in the same way that Christ loved the church. Notice the word love is used twice in that verse. In fact, it's used about six times in those passages from 25 uh, to 33. Now, uh, some of you know this. You've heard this perhaps uh, before, but the New Testament Uh, in in which the the letter to the church in Ephesus is written, is part of. The New Testament was originally produced in Greek. Greek was the universal language of the world in the day that it was was written. It was was like kind of what English is today. You you can go anywhere in the world and find somebody that speaks English. Well, that's kind of how Greek was back then. You go anywhere in in the known world, you can find somebody probably that spoke Greek. So it was the universal language. Greek, by and large, is a much more precise language than the English language. Uh, people that try to learn our language, study our language, say it's a very difficult language to learn. It didn't, didn't ever seem that hard to me. I was speaking it by the time I was two or three years old, but I may be a gifted child. I don't, I don't know. But, but, um, uh, but Greek is much more precise. So in our case, for instance, when we talk about love, uh, we have one word for it. Say it. Love. Yeah, right? That's our word. We, we say love. And we use love for everything, right? I, I, I love my wife. I love the sweet tamale corn cakes at Cheesecake Factory. I, I love Coke Life. You know, we use the same word for everything, but there are certainly different nuances or different uh, intensities or even meanings uh, to the word. But we just say love, right? Uh, we say, I, I, no, no, I better not say that one. Um, so anyway, we just have this one word. Well, the Greeks, they would have different words for all the different subtleties uh, to the meanings of of love, and the primary ones uh, being uh, philos, uh, eros, uh, stergo, and agape. Uh, now, I don't have time to go through all the meanings of those, and y'all probably don't care anyway, but it is that last one, agape, that Paul uses here multiple times in Ephesians chapter 5. It is agape that Paul uses for the word that's just translated as love. Paul uses agape, and some, and some of you have heard me or some other preacher at some time say that agape love is God's love, right? It is, it is self-giving, sacrificial, others-thinking uh, 
love. It's that idea of love, and that is the word that's used to des- always to describe God's love toward us, and it is the word that Paul uses here to describe a husband's love for his wife. It is agape love. It is self-giving, sacrificial, and, and, it's, and, and, it's, and, it's, and it's right before us today, this very idea, and I'll talk more about this in a minute, in the Lord's Supper. It is, it is the, that, that focus on on others, on the needs of those. It is agape love. So that's our first, that's right off the bat, we've got kind of a clue as to what God expects of husbands and how God expects husbands to love their wives. So let's start with, uh, with this idea today after the BP Square. Let's start with this one. A husband's love for his wife is modeled on Christ. There's our model, guys. Oh, man. <laughs> that guy never got it wrong. That's right. <laughs> That's right. A husband's love for his wife is to be modeled on Christ. Look at verse 25. Let me read it again. Husbands, love your wives just as or in the same way as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church." He is our model. He is the one that we look to. He's the one that we, uh, that we see as the, the perfect description. As I said a moment ago, that's, that's shown here in the Lord's Supper. Even if we'll partake of it here in a few moments. So that naturally then the question becomes, well, okay, if Christ is our model, then what, what, how did he do it? How did Christ love the church? There's this, there's this comparison, right? And we see this several places in Scripture, but this comparison between earthly marriages, between a husband and a wife, and the spiritual marriage, if you will, the spiritual uh, relationship between Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. That's you and me. If you're here this morning and you've accepted Christ, you're saved, you're part of the bride of Christ, the, the body of Christ. It, and there's, there's this connection, this, this uh, comparison between those. So how, do, how, do, how did Christ love his bride? The church. Well, first, his love was intentional. It was intentional. Now, watch that. I want to show you a few passages of Scripture. Start in Matthew chapter 25, I think it is. Yeah, Matthew 25, 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from, say it, the, fo- say it, the foundation of the world. Uh, look at this one, Ephesians chapter 1. Just as he chose you chose us in him, say it, before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to his kind intention of his will. And then one more, I think, First uh, Peter one twenty four. he was foreknown before... <laughs> Y'all are, come on, the foundation of the world, that was a long time ago, right? That's before where we are now. Before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you. Christ coming and, and paying this sin debt that he paid, it wasn't, it wasn't plan B. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't, you know, so, oh my goodness, they've messed up. I better, what am I going to do? 
No, you, you need to understand this, that God's love for us was intentional. He, he's been planning this. Listen, I don't pretend to know all the mysteries of God and, and how he works and, and, and why he works and when he works in different ways. And how he, I don't pretend, but this much is clear. God loves you and he has been in the process of redeeming you before you were ever even created. God knew you. His love was intentional. Second, his love was sacrificial. Again, it's staring us right in the face this morning. His love for us was so great that it was sacrificial. Christ died, ladies and gentlemen. And I know we know that. I know we say that Christ died because he loved me. And I tell people this all the time, and I truly believe this with all my heart. If, if, if I was, if you were the only person on the face of the earth and you were a sinner, I still believe Christ would have died for you. This love was sacrificial. Look at a, 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 just that last part of uh, verse 25 that we just read a moment ago. Listen, it's all the word of God. It's all powerful. But just as Christ also loved the church, would you read that last part with me? And gave himself up for her. For his bride. Look at this one. Uh, John 10, 18. No one is taking it away from me, meaning his life. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, no, one, no, one's doing, no one's making me do this. Nobody's holding a gun to my head. No one is uh, taking it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This is the commandment I received from my father. He is instructing me on this. It's, I'm doing this because I love you. That's why I'm doing it. Look at this one, uh, John 10, or 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this. That one lay down his life for his friends. Uh, and then Ephesians 5, 2. And walk in love just as Christ also loved you. And gave himself up for us. There it is again. Gave himself up for us. A.K.A. sacrifice. An offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. And then in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Who, uh, referring to Christ. Who gave himself as a ransom for all. Listen, it was sacrificial love. Now, I, I don't know that we, we look at it and we, and, you know, we read about it and we see movies like Passion of the Christ, but I don't know that we'll ever fully comprehend the depth of the sacrifice that God made on our behalf and how, and how that, the depth of that sacrifice is a reflection of the depth of his love for you and me. In a little while, we will visually and, and specifically take part in an event that points to that sacrifice. His body broken, his blood spilled, shared for the remission of my sins and yours. His love was sacrificial. And then uh, third, his love was beneficial. Yeah, amen is right. His love was beneficial. Look at uh, uh, this passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 5, the the passage that we read just a moment ago. Again, uh, when Paul's talking about why Christ did this, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Why? Because of his intentionality to love us, because of his willingness to sacrifice to love us. It made it possible for us to to be in relationship with him. We benefited from his sacrifice. And I think in Galatians 1, uh, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age. Why do he do it? So that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. Doesn't necessarily mean that, that we get to escape this, this age. 
uh, unless, unless we happen to be the ones to get raptured out, if you, if you go on the rapture side, um, it's okay if you don't, but uh, I'm going. But anyway, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that, uh, that we get, but what it means is, listen, if Christ had not come into my life, me living in the time that I live in, in, in the world that I live in, if Christ had not come into my life, I can't even begin to tell you what my life would have been like. The depth of sin and degradation that I probably would have sunk into. But he rescued me from this present age. Oh, well, I'm sure not perfect. Far from it. But he has rescued. And so it, so it is to my benefit that he did. His love was beneficial. Okay? All right? Okay? So, husbands, if our model then is Jesus... And we just looked at how he loved the church. Then what does that mean? That means that our love should be intentional. Right? Intentional. Guys, will you say that with me? Intentional. I choose to love my wife. It, it, it doesn't mean that she doesn't make me mad. It doesn't mean that she doesn't do some things that I... It doesn't mean that, that I choose. It has to be Intentional. It's, it's not based on her merit or not her merit. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But, but in, I am intentional about doing that. Well, yeah, oh, come on. How can you do that? How can you just choose to love somebody if I don't feel like loving somebody? I don't feel like I love them anymore. I've heard that one. Okay, so what you're telling me is, is that you're going to allow your feelings to control you rather than God controlling your feelings. You profess to be, if you profess to be a follower of Jesus, you've just told me, well, I don't feel like loving them. I don't feel like they deserve I don't feel like. You're just, you've just told me that your feelings are going to control you and your actions rather than God controlling your feelings. Listen to me. This is a good word. You need to remember this. Feelings follow faith and never the other way around. Feelings follow faith, not the other way around. By faith, I choose to be intentional. Why? Because he was intentional. He's our model, Right? So, so I choose to be intentional. God sure didn't do it because we deserved it, did he? No, he was intentional. You and I have to be intentional with our love. We have to choose to do it, okay? Second, his, uh, our love has to be sacrificial. That's the model. We got to sacrifice, guys. Got to sacrifice. That means, essentially, that you and I as husbands have to, well, he's very clear. We have to die to ourselves. See, wives, y'all, y'all, y'all were mad at me last week because I said you have to submit. You just have to submit. He has to die. We die. Uh, some of y'all heard me say this before. We die to our wants, dreams, ambitions, likes, hobbies. What we die to anything else you can think of. Listen to me, wives. Don't just hang right on that. We die to all of those things when they conflict with what is in the best interest of our wives. Okay? You hear the, you hear the difference? It's not just, well, I, oh, I got to, uh, poor me, I got to be a martyr. I, gotta, I can't, I can't uh, go to the shooting range anymore. I, I, don't know. I can't go play golf anymore. I can't. No, but, but what is in the best interest of my wife? Because my love for her is to be sacrificial. And I have to, that requires me to be spiritually in tune so that I know what is best for my wife. By the way, it's not always what she wants. No guy amen that one either, did you? 
It's not always what she wants because what she wants may not be in her best interest, which is why a husband has to spiritually lead his family and he has to determine by seeking God's face and God's word and determining what is best for my wife, what is best for my family. Oh, they're probably not going to like this decision, but, but, but as honestly as I know how from the authority of God's word and as he's spoken to my, I believe this is, this is what, so we can't do this or we're not, you understand what I'm saying? It, but, it, but the idea is that it's to be sacrificial. All right, and our love is to be beneficial. Why? Because he's our model and his love was beneficial. So, guys, if you're married or if you're going to get married someday, your love for your spouse should be beneficial to her. It should benefit her. It should benefit her. Okay, all right, let me ask this question. What time is it? All right, let me ask this question. Husbands, how do you think your wife would answer this question. I'm not asking the wife to answer, I'm not asking the husband to answer this question for them. I'm asking the wife, I'm just asking the husband, how would your wife answer this question? Is it beneficial for you to be married to your husband? <laughs> husband said that. <laughs> I think, I think, is it beneficial for you to be married to your husband? Now listen to me, ladies. I'm not asking you if it's perfect all the time. I'm not asking you if he's always attentive to your needs and he's always sensitive to what's going on and that he's been nominated for Husband of the Year Award. Listen to me, that guy does not exist, all right? Except in movies and romance novels. But, but if, as you look at your life, in other words, would you say, I, I, I'm better off being married to this man than if I was not? Now, if, ladies, if you're looking and thinking about that question, and if you honestly evaluate it and you say, no, honestly, with, with what all he's doing or what he's putting me through, what he's doing, I, I am not better off being married to this man. Listen to me. I'm not asking you to act on the answer to that question, okay? I'm asking husbands to act on the answer to that question. If our wives were to look at our relationship and say, you know what, I, I, I really... I don't, I don't see the benefit in this. I don't see what I'm, again, not perfect, not, but I'm just saying, I, I just, then how do we as husbands respond to that? How do we say, you know what, how do I, how do I benefit? How, does it, how do I make it so that my wife actually benefits from being married to me? You're probably wondering that very question. And so, not surprisingly, I have some answers. Let me give them to you. Let, let's start out with some, just some application that you can uh, make here for this. Uh, this. These are some exercises to keep you from ever having to refer to your wife as your ex-wife. Some exercises. Yeah, get it? Yeah. Wait, I'm not done. <laughs> Extend love. Extend love. We're going back to the idea of intentionality, that I'm going to choose to extend my love to her. Again, uh, oh man, she, she may make me mad. She, uh, she may spend more money than I want her to. She may, she may have emotional eruptions on the scale of Mount St. Helens, but I choose to love her. I'm going to extend love to her, right? Love is a verb. Love is an action, and I'm going to extend my love to her based not on her merit, and I'll talk about that in a minute, but, but because this, I've got a model, and it's Christ, and he extended his love towards me, I extend my love towards her. Extend love. Second, express Love. You, you, we we got to express it. We got to express it. Say that, guys. We got to express it. 
I know. I, I am the same way. I'm like, I'm, we're, okay. All right. I, I'm going to help you with that. All right. How, how I'm going to help you with expressing your love. I got three things for that. I'm just full of these things today. So roll with it. All right. We're going to express love. How do I do it? Say it. Say it. Tell your wife you love her. Not just during sex. Say it at the breakfast table. Say it in front of the kids. Send it in a text. Find a way to express your love to her. Just, just say it. Those are powerful words. I love you. Now, I know. I don't, and I know there are exceptions. Somebody in, some husband in here is the perfect husband, right? I know there are exceptions. But as a general rule, we men seem to think somehow that if we said I love you during our wedding vows, that that ought to cover it. But it doesn't. I've learned that. It doesn't. We have to, we have to say it. Second, pay it. Pay it. Spend money on your wife. Spend money on your wife. Now, listen, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go out and buy her a brand new pair of shoes every week. Although she probably won't hate on you for it. But it doesn't necessarily have to mean that. It may just mean that she, listen to me, that she knows, that she knows that she has the freedom to go spend some money on herself if she wants to. That you trust her that much, that you love her that much, and you want her to have nice things, and you're not afraid for her to have nice I'm not talking about going into debt and all that kind of stuff. But, but, I, but the idea of, of showing your spouse in a tangible way that you, that you love them, that you care for them, you, you, can, you can pay it. Take them out to dinner on a, on a weeknight, not just a week, but on a, on a weeknight, just because you don't want her to have to cook. Now listen, okay, I know. If, if you have kids and or money is tight, I know. Sydney and I been there, made, been there, done that. And you may have to get creative and you may have to, but I'm just, I know sometimes it may not seem very practical to, to do those sort of things, but sometimes being impractical in those areas is one of the greatest ways that we can show our love to our, to our wife. Ladies, any argument from you on that? Okay. And then third, play it. Play with your wife. Now, you can define that any way you want to. But you know what? Does your wife have fun with you? Do you have fun with your wife? You know what I'm saying? Joke around. Don't, don't joke about her. Don't make it, you know what I'm saying? But joke around. Have fun. Uh, banter back. Whatever. But just, just play. Play, play is, a, is a great way to express love toward your spouse. Okay, all right. And then back to the third, uh, ex- exclusive love. Exclusive love. Man, I've got to close this out. Um, our wives need to know, guys, that we have exclusive love for them. And I'm not just talking about the fact that we don't love anybody else. That, that's kind of a given, right? We don't go off and, and, and love on somebody else in, in that way. We talked a few weeks ago. There are, there are some, we have love for different people, but it's not the same as the love that we have for our wife. And what we have for our life should be exclusive. It's, it's, not, it's not shared with anybody else. It's just what we have. You ask, my, you ask my wife, what is her favorite time of day? Without hesitation, she will say bedtime. Because, here's what, here's what I'll say. Now listen to me. My wife loves what we do in ministry. She loves the fact that, that we get to minister to people. And she, and she loves the fact that I get to, to pour into people and try and invest in people and all that kind of stuff. But, but she, uh, as I've heard her say many times, bedtime is the, is the time, one time of day that I know I don't have to share you with anybody else. It's exclusive love. That's what I'm talking about. Just this idea that they feel that we give them exclusive time, that we give them exclusive attention, that we give them exclusive love. Okay? All right. 
Uh, and then uh, real quickly, let me give, just give the second thing and then we're going we're gonna to close this part of the service out. A husband's love for his wife is motivated by Christ. I need to say this very quickly. Let me read 30 to 33 um, again, just so you can hear this. He, Paul builds all this up. He tells what and he says, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father's mother and shall be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. This mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you is also to love his own wife, even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. He's our model, but he's also our motivation. Ladies and gentlemen, our wives are not our motivation. They don't don't get it right all the time, but that's okay, because we don't get it right all the time, right? Our motivation is Christ. Paul uh, draws this very clear analogy between uh, husband and wife and Christ and his bride, the church. So in other words, my relationship with my wife should look like, should emulate, should mirror, not in perfection, but should mirror the relationship between what Christ wants between him and us, the body. And so he is our motivation. Why? Because I'm part of the body and I want to honor and I want to please him. It's not about pleasing my wife. Not really. Not, not ultimately. You understand what I'm saying? That it is about Christ and he is my life and, and pleasing him and honoring him is my life. So he becomes my motivation. Now, let me say this real quickly. Honestly, most times our wives do deserve for us to treat them that way. Most times our wives do get it right. Most of us here, if you're here and you're married, a, a husband, uh, you would have to admit that you married way above yourself. I certainly know that, that I did. Most times they do go above and beyond. It's amazing what they do, but they won't always. They won't always get it, get it perfect. And that's not my motivation. My motivation is because I want to honor and please him. And so I will love my wife intentionally, sacrificially, beneficially to her. Listen, if a husband will love his wife like, like Christ loved the church, as Paul lays out there, if a husband, if we husbands will love our wives the way Christ, and I know we're not perfect, I know, but, but we can't use that as an excuse either. We can't say, well, I'm not perfect. We can't use that one. If we will strive to love our wives as Christ loved the church, listen to me, our marriages will be amazing. And you'll never have to worry about referring to your wife as your ex. Well, husbands, how are you doing at fulfilling your responsibilities in marriage? Perhaps most convicting was Pastor Clay's question to wives and whether they are better off as a result of being married to their husband. As Pastor Clay said, a wife can answer that question, but it's not the wife who has to act on the answer to the question. Husbands have to take a hard look at the job they are doing in loving their wife as Christ loved the church and then making changes as needed so that their marriage can be all that God wants it to be. We're glad you joined us for this week's Crosswalk. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not doing? 
getting. If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback form from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens? They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable to every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. Cross-Culture Church. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where you'll find what you're searching for. Cross-Culture Church. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to leave Cross Culture Church, a new church for people like you. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.